Welcome back to Hit Subscribe, where we chat with key leaders in the e-commerce space to discuss the present and future state of commerce optimization. I'm your host, Chase Alderton, Senior Partner and Field Marketing Manager at Recharge. Don't forget, ChargeX is happening April 26th through the 28th in Washington, DC. It's our annual conference where we invite industry-leading merchants, partners, and experts to discuss the global e-commerce market. We're offering 25% off for hit subscribe listeners, so be sure to use the code CX25OFF at checkout. On today's episode, we chat with Phil Manson, Managing Director of Pass Digital. So many people talk about email like it's really easy to do. I think Phil is one of the few people I've talked to who really understands the framework and the structure behind how to create emails. It's really easy to talk about data and segmentation and quote unquote, meet your customer where they are. And I think all of those are interesting things to be thinking about, but when you put things into practice, it becomes a lot more difficult. For example, how many times have you landed on a website for a brand, left the website, gotten an email a few hours later saying, here's 10 things you should buy doesn't feel very personal, doesn't feel very segmented. They have no idea what you are actually looking at or what your intentions are. I think the real goal behind email is bridging the brand to your actual purchase, which again, seems easier said than done. But what's the strategy behind taking a customer landing on your site, tracking their data, tracking what they do around the website? Did they fill out an onboarding form? Did they fill out a quiz? Do we know what they're looking at? And then really putting them in a right segment in an email to direct them towards what's going to be most useful for them. I'm not saying that every email needs to generate revenue. I'm not saying every email needs to have an educational piece, but I think it should bring the end consumer closer to the brand with the eventual goal of creating a brand advocate. This conversation with Phil really expanded my mind about how functionally that works. Again, I think it's easy to say that data is important and that segmentation is important, but advanced segmentation based on the data you're collecting about that person, subscriber, one-time purchaser, even prospect, what you do with that data really makes or breaks how that customer will end up shopping on your site. Without further ado, I'm excited to welcome Phil to hit subscribe. Phil, thank you for joining us. No problem at all. Pleasure to be here. Kicking this off, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Pass. Okay, so uh, my name's Phil. I'm the founder and MD of uh, an agency in the UK called Pass. We are, I suppose, an email agency on steroids. We're very much focused on data. So we're a data-first agency. So really focusing on how we can transform customer data into revenue. Love it. Short, sweet, to the point. Email agency is the first one we've had on this uh, on this podcast. So I'm excited to talk to you, dig into email. Uh, it's all about the data. Let's start first and foremost with a really interesting quote you gave me as we were talking before this. You said, just because you can send an email doesn't mean you should. Expand on that a little bit more. Give me uh, some more info about that. There's a, an analogy, maybe it's a UK one, but I think it, it, it translates across the pond around, yeah, you send a million emails, you've made a million dollars, pounds, whatever currency you're, you're currently trading in. There's an expectation potentially of, well, if I double that and send two million, I'll make two million pounds, dollars. The law of diminishing returns means that doesn't always work. And in fact, it, it never does. So the challenge brands have is that they've got so many messages they want to send, but the customer doesn't want to receive all of them. So how do you start to go through that process and go, just because we could send it, should we send it? And that, that prioritization and thought process is key for, for growth moving forward, is in my view. So this is where we get into kind of advanced segmentation and, and the data that you were talking about earlier. So 
why is, and it's going to sound like a really basic, really dumb question, but why is data so important? What do you use the data for to make those decisions on when to send emails or when not to send emails? Data is key. I mean, brands are selling products, but really their IP is the customer. Uh, without those customers, you, you, know, you could have the greatest products in the world, but if you've got nobody to sell to, you're never going to have a, a viable business. And we all know the acquisition costs from Google ads, Facebook, or, you know, increasing exponentially year on year, the retention side of your of organizations or businesses is key. And it's going to become more and more you know, fruitful as, as brands go into that data. So for me, data is at the heart of everything. So without the data, you can't send a basic email. Without more detailed data, you can't build segmentation that can lead to greater personalization. And the more relevant we are with our customer comms based on right message, right customer, right time, the greater the chance we have of the conversion and a, and a sale. So let's keep diving into this and, and keep going deeper. Right customer, right time is huge. And a lot of the kind of commentary around the industry right now is like, meet the customer where they are. And it's a fun thing to say. And it's kind of one of those, you know, just random ridiculous things that everyone's starting to say. But how important is it to segment and really understand, you know, not just active subscriber or non-active subscriber or like purchased in the past or not purchased yet? What's the importance of segmenting really deeply and understanding where they are on the site and what they're doing? Even if we go up a level from that, if a customer isn't opening your emails in the first place, what you're doing is you're running into the risk of deliverability issues, you know, high frequency, that sort of thing. So if you can't even get your e email into the inbox in front of that customer, they're never going to open it. So you're just firing, you know, into the ether. So just taking that step back and thinking about those interactions a customer's had. So let's say we're selling a, a high value suitcase, for example. So some, not something you buy every day of the year. If I've just brought one, the likelihood of me purchasing another one within that couple of weeks is quite unlikely. So a bit like the car insurance, home, home insurance, thinking about those seasonality, you know, you're, you're going to review that maybe in 12 months. So again, starting to think about what those post-purchase messaging could look like is, well, actually, we, it's unlikely that Chase is going to buy another suitcase, but he might have a family member who might buy one. So how can we do a you know, refer a friend type message? So again, it's not just about getting you to buy another one, but it's about that you know, referral piece through as well. So for me, segmentation comes part of that. It's, it's understanding your business and your brand. If you're a fast-paced consumer goods, you're selling dog food, you know, 50 pounds a month. We know that that customer's got a large breed dog. They're going to be buying more regularly, bigger items. You can change the comms in, and the frequency can go up. I've, I've mentioned the suitcases, that's a reduction in frequency. So again, it's about tailoring the messaging based on the product, that product life cycle and where your customer is in that buying journey. I've always been such a fan of education as well as the focus of an email where obviously there's a CTA, but instead of like, hey, I know you just bought a suitcase, let's buy another suitcase or, you know, refer your brother to buy one right now. Yeah. There's a lot of education that can be sent around those of like, here's how you maximize this, or here's how to keep it clean, or here's what you do if you're traveling internationally. You know, there, there's a lot of other pieces you can be sending in there to add value to that customer. They might not necessarily be, you know, buy this other product right now. Yeah, I think what I see from a number of businesses, they're either uh, a heavily commercial focused email team. So it's discount, discount, buy, 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 or it's the complete flip that it's, it's a very soft brand approach and there's no real commercial value from that. My view is it needs to be a mix. You have to mix and match your comms, both, you know, so, you know, postcard solace messaging around a particular price point or a discount. But then how do you merge in? that lifestyle element of, well, uh, as you say, you brought this suitcase, we're going to talk about how you look after it, but also did you know that there's a matching rucksack that goes with it? So there's a softer level of upsell that goes through that. And again, you're adding value to the customer rather than go buy this product. I get so many emails every day that are like, look how great our product is. 
And you just kind of read it and think like, that does, that does nothing for me. There's no call to action. There's no, there's, you have no idea what I'm doing or where I am in the buyer cycle. It's just an irrelevant email. Yeah. And if it's not even at a base level personalized around, if you know I brought a blue suitcase, why are you sending me red ones? There's got to be some sort of level of personalization that creates relevancy. And, and there's tools and platforms out there that allow you to start thinking about doing that at scale. And we talk a lot about commercially viable personalization. So again, if you've only got you know 10 people in a segment, do you want to invest the time up front for someone to design the email, create the content, send and deploy? If you've only got 10 people, so what you need is you know 10,000 people or 1,000 people, depending on your product value. So again, it's that just because you can doesn't mean you should. So definitely at the risk of over-segmenting, but talk to me about a few of the segments you usually work on. So so not the generic, you know, subscriber, non-subscriber, but where are they in the customer journey? Are they taking certain actions on the site? How do you think about segmentation? Okay, so we'll be looking from an email engagement. So when we talk subscriber, you know, obviously we're not talking subscription, we're talking email opt-in, opt-out. Correct. So are they opt-in? When was the last time they opened the email? So that may be the broader top-level piece. So that's the email frequency. Then what we'll, we'll be looking to do is rather than maybe sending separate emails to different cohorts, it's how can we use the data to drive relevancy in the comm? So actually, can we use a parameter in the database to say, Phil's got a, you know, a, a tendency to buy or look at red suitcases, Chase's blue suitcases. We keep talking about suitcases here, but you know, it's, a good, it's a good way of looking at it. And we use that to then drive more relevancy. So for us, the big piece is how do we identify those data points in the first place? So how can we use you know, subscription level data that Phil's subscribed to large breed dog food again, and Chase is subscribed to, you know, cat, for example. So how do we use that then to drive more efficiencies and personalization in the campaigns? And then we might overlay, you know, product like Octane and ask those anonymous visitors up front that we haven't got a transaction against or a subscription against to say, well, look, this is the product or uh, catalog we're interested in and use that again to drive more relevancy. Are you a fan of always using an onboarding quiz like Octane or are there times where you shouldn't use it? The million dollar question. I think <laughs> I look at a quiz like an Octane, it's very much like the, the concierge or the, the shopkeeper, the, yeah, the shop assistant you go into and it's, you know, hello, how are you? How can I help you today? Well, actually I'm interested in this and it's leading people through a story and you're adding value by doing that. And so I think it's important to have that available. I don't believe you should force people to use it, but I think that function, especially when you're new to a brand, and you don't understand you know, product sizing, you know, clothing sizing, and how it might differ. To be able to get that level of recommendation you know, can only help conversion. I think actually dog food, cat food is, is a really good example for one of these because people love their pets so much, obviously. It goes without saying. But instead of forcing someone right away to you know, hit the site, tell me all the information about yourself and about your pet. There's a kind of sidebar option. It says, you know, if you're unsure of what to buy, let us help recommend you know, what you're looking for. And then it's... What size dog do you have? Is it large, medium, small? Then you right away know product sizing. Then it's like, okay, are we going to send you a 20-pound bag or are we going to send you a five-pound bag? You kind of know right away. And you can kind of build out all these questions to start to understand what makes sense to ask here. Yeah, and yeah, dietary, are they intolerant to wheat or grain or whatever that may be? And those sort of things help A, assist the conversion, but also help reduce the, in the returns rate as well. Because actually, oh, I've just looked, I can't find that detail. The product's arrived, I can't use it. I'm going to send it back. Little bit of a change of topic. We were talking about subscribers in terms of subscribing to an email list. Let's turn it into actually subscribing to a product. When you are segmenting, is there always a play to push someone from a one-time subscriber or from just never purchasing straight into subscription? 
or are there certain pathways that you get? And I understand, you know, the verticals are different, the product selling is different, but how do you think about, you know, when to push someone towards subscription versus like, hey, just buy this one time? The million dollar question. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. I think it comes down to testing for individual brands. I think we, certainly in the UK, we've seen a lot of brands push to be a subscription business. There's value in the marketplace for being a subscription business. Totally. What I do see though, is when you start looking at the churn rates, it's people farming the discounts. So they're subscribed for a month, cancel, subscribe, cancel. I see much more value in how do you get someone in, be affiliated with the brand, like the brand, like the product, then get on a cadence that's right for them. Because actually then they're, they're sticky. Now, I'm sure it's the same in the States as well. We look at things like gym membership or self-storage. Once you're in that model, they won't talk to you again, so you, you forget you're there. The brands that we're working with, it's very much more around the customer first. So how can we you know, restock, remind, help? upsell, cross-sell, that sort of thing. So again, we're trying to develop that relationship and, and develop it through. So I think depending on the product, if it's a one-time thing, great. How do you start pushing people through and reminding people to restock, reorder? What does that look like? And again, they're starting to see great tools, you know, coming through recharge, et cetera, around being much more unique and personalized to that user. So actually if you know that my cadence is going to be 14 days rather than 30, we're not rating for that 30 days. We're starting to really look at the data and go, based on what you're doing, we think you're using more product than person B. So we're going to send you on a slightly different journey because of that. So again, it's starting to really personalize that journey through. So if I could kind of wrap this up and put a bow on it at the risk of being long-winded, there is no silver bullet for putting together an email strategy. It doesn't matter if they're starting as subscribers or starting as one-time purchases or just hitting the site for the first time. Understanding the data, trying to personalize that journey for them, not for everybody in mass, but putting together one by one, where are you in your journey? That's the kind of meet the customer where they are, figuring out where that is, and then putting them on their own customized journey through your steps. And if that ends in purchasing, fantastic. If that ends in subscribing, even better. If it ends in just more education and you've got them in your email list, that's still okay as well. If you pay to acquire that visitor to the website, if we can capture an email address and actually capture a transaction even better. So it's about nudging people through that funnel. I think the other thing to bear in mind, if you're uh, an existing, uh, you know, I'm not going to say legacy business, if you're an existing business without a subscription model at present, is to recognize the change in your email sales when a subscription process goes live. So actually you are going to take those best high value customers from the email channel and push them into the subscription model. So your direct revenue looks like it's gone up and your email's gone down, but actually email's doing what it should be doing. It's driving lifetime value. It's driving customer engagement. It's just meaning that that channel revenue is being recognized slightly differently. So you should be pulling it, people off your email list and putting them on, well, not off the list, but you should be putting them in different yeah. segments to make sure that they're maximizing value. Exactly. So we let's say I am a customer who buys large breed dog food every six weeks. And I've been buying it direct response from email. I then subscribe to that product. So that sale will go through on that transaction against email last click in Google Analytics, but the subsequent reorders will go direct. What that means is I'm then that product and I, I'm there. So what actually, as an email channel, how do we start influencing the fact that we do dog treats and we do toys and we do other things and starting to really play on enveloping that person into that brand. So it doesn't mean that we stop. It means we change how we talk. So we need to be thinking, well, if we're going to run a deep level discount on that particular product, because it's there's some stock in the warehouse that's going, you know, short dates on it. Do we want to offer it to those people first as an exclusive and reduce their you know, subscription price for the next month? 
or do we exclude them? And that's a business decision that businesses will go through. But really, we want to get them onto that subscription, potentially at a discount or at full price, depending on what that looks like, and keep them there. What we don't want to do is then having them chair because there's, there's a better offer of coming through. So how do you start talking to those people based on the price point at that given point, the stock levels you've got, and where they are in their journey? There's a ton there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to break down to be really simple and very clear, but, but I think that's the point is that there isn't really a one step, you know, okay, you did that and now you do this. It's not a linear ABC. It's oftentimes an AB and then you move over to two, three, four, and then you move back over to DEFG. And it's kind of bouncing back and forth between, you know, customization and products and what are you looking to sell? Is it a cross sell? Is it an upsell? Is it a win back? Did they cancel? Are they subscribed for eight months in a row and you're on month nine? Like there are so many different options here. There really isn't a way to do it other than just look at your data and personalize it. Exactly. And you, and you might, you know, the journey might go A to Z or A to Z to the Americans in the audience. It's counterproductive to try to do A, B, C, D, E in that order. What we might do is A, H, P, R, and then we'll go back and back to as the data allows us to and the revenue's there. And it's you know cost-effective and commercially viable to do so. So hitting those broader milestones is more important than the granularity up front and then starting to test and learn off those pieces of data as they come through. Let's shift to post-purchase a bit more. I know we've kind of been talking in and out here, but curious about your take on loyalty. I know that the standard kind of loyalty points is, you know, maybe the standard, but may not be the best opportunity for a lot of the subscribers. What's your take on loyalty? We had this very brief conversation before. I think like a lot of these things, people go out and buy a, a loyalty app or a loyalty platform and believe they've got a loyalty program. I don't believe that's the right case. We've got other brands that say we want to think about loyalty, but we don't want a loyalty program. So actually, how do we identify who, what are the traits of a loyal customer? That's the first piece. And it's not the fact that they've given you your email address and we're going to give them you know, 20 points. It's how do you identify those traits and how do you reward that behavior? So actually, you know, high value product, I might buy once a year from a brand just before Christmas or for my wife's birthday. I'm a loyal customer. It's just my transaction is once a year. It's not once a quarter. But how do I get recognition for that over a prolonged period of time? And how can that brand start to maybe convince me to buy twice a year? For me, that's how that loyalty starts to nudge you towards that. And it could be as simple as changing tone of voice in emails and personalization and, and welcoming me back. So it's starting to treat me differently in the content and copy rather than points to me prizes. What do you think about tracking actions on the website or tracking actions in an email? Like how many times they're clicking on your emails? Does that constitute a loyal customer? Or are they putting an item in the cart, but then not checking out? Does that get you kind of close to that loyalty number? Like, do you track those actions? Oh, well, we track them and we, you know, and we perform automated activity on them, you know, the browser, basket, bandwidth, those sort of things. You've also got to think about those customers that are opening and engaging with every email. They're never going to transact online because they've got a really good relationship with the local shop. So email is actually influencing an offline purchase. So again, Shopify is starting to get into that space and allowing us to kind of see that interaction, but it's few and far between. So it's really tough, but I think, yeah, open email is tough because Apple privacy changes have obviously affected how that works, but certainly clicking, you know, multiple page views, repeat visits to the same page can also infer that. But really we are at a base level commercially looking for a, a transaction. Yeah, that's the piece that we really want to drive and right. recognize. Interesting. Okay. Final topic for you, somewhat off topic, but I love talking through this. Um, and I know this is something that you, you've done in the past, investing. What do you look for from brands who are taking on money? Or how do you kind of analyze, this is a good brand that I want to invest in? <laughs> There's a balance here between 
the commercial viability, the numbers, but also the people that are involved. You can't invest in a brand. Um, and we do this when we're bringing on clients ourselves. We're looking at, is it a good fit? Have they got the same ethics, morals, objectives that we have? Can we work together? Because I think it's very easy to say, yeah, we can do the projects, but if we take the money and we can't actually work with them as people, that's the challenge. So for me, investing slightly differently, because quite often it will be a, yeah, write a check and put it in the corner. So it's about that aim objective, but I'm a people person. I want to trust and invest in that person. Now it's not foolproof at all. You know, you win some, you lose some, but generally you've got to be able to pick up the call, have a very frank conversation with that person and understand where they're going and they've got shared values, you know, shared ethics, et cetera. So it's, I look at people and then also then the numbers. It's interesting. You could argue your investment strategy is a lot like your email strategy. It's not a one size fit. <laughs> you have to kind of analyze where they are in the journey. Could you work with this person? Is this a good fit? And part of it is, are, is it realistic? So again, part of our, our job with our customer success teams is, is building out plans for our clients that say, well, we believe we're going to get you from revenue A point to revenue B point. And now that may be significantly higher than what they budgeted to do. We will let them stick to that budget because again, they don't want to go to their board and say, well, we believe we're going to double the revenue, but we will have a stretch target in mind that we're going to aim for. The strategies we're putting in place and enabling could allow that to happen. But it's being able to talk candidly with those people, you know, whether that's an investor or a customer or a prospect and get into that weeds of that detail. And there's credibility there that if you've got raw numbers to back that up, that's great. A mix of, of the person and the numbers trying to make yes. everything work out. Exactly. Phil, we're going to start a brand new closing tradition on this podcast. I will shamelessly say that I've stolen this from Stephen Bartlett at uh, Diary of a CEO, one of my favorite podcasts. Definitely go check that out. But what they do is the previous guest will write a question for the following guest. Maybe it's about e-commerce, maybe it's about subscription, maybe it's not. But we're going to have this kind of chain of questions that run through the entire season of our podcast this year. So first question for you, you don't know who this is coming from. What can you remove from your life to make it better? And why haven't you done it already? Oh, oh you just put me on the spot. Um, I think I'm a person as an individual that can be easily swayed. I'm that kind of, yeah, the last conversation I had is kind of the last or the next action I'm going to take. It's that, you know, the life of an MD that's busy. You're running around, you're making decisions on the fly, you're growing a business. I'm having to take, and this is what I'm recognizing, having to take a lot of stock and he's taking that extra five minutes to say, right, is this the right decision? Is this the plan? And actually validate that with peers, you know, within the you know, ops director, you know, I'm on execs, et cetera. So for me, I need to take that almost spontaneity and that fast pacedness out of my decision-making process and just take that step back and go, right, actually, this decision is going to affect more than just you now, Phil, because it was, yeah, it was me originally on my own. Now there's a team of 20. It's a different process. So for me, it's that that piece, I think. Very insightful. Appreciate the humility and in, in taking us into your life. <laughs> Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. No problem at all. We'd like to thank Phil once again for joining us. If you're interested in PASS, you can head over to pass.co.uk. That's P-A-A-S-E .co.uk. If you liked what you heard, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from and check us out at rechargepayments.com slash hit subscribe for our latest episodes.